0: hello everybody and welcome to the access ninja podcast i'm jonathan campbell
1: and i'm rachel magario
0: uh welcome back welcome back we've got a very special episode and a guest today with us uh tiffany lee who is a law professor um if you'd like to just take a moment and tell us a little bit about yourself
2: Hi, um, I'm Tiffany Lee. Uh, I am a law professor. I uh, teach disability rights law. Um, I also teach a variety of subjects um, in paralegal courses. I've uh, published a number of times on um, disability legal issues, especially in the fields of um, uh, technology development, uh, service animal law, and emergency management. I'm happy to be here today.
0: Well, thank you very much for coming. Uh, actually, uh, uh, Rachel, you asked Tiffany to come. You've got a little bit of a background. You were telling me about it right before we went on the air, uh, but I thought it was really interesting. Do you want to share uh, your background a little bit with uh, with Tiffany?
1: Yeah, so Tiffany and I, we went to school together, and we raised a little bit of hell when um, ADA issues arise at that university and we didn't have accessibility. Um, I was part of this uh, student organization called the Ablehawks, and I was one of the founders. And then, um, you know, usually what happened every time you have a disability-run, student-run organization, they kind of sort of die out after four years or six years uh, when the original founders kind of um, graduate and move on. Uh, but then I tried to stay on and I was about to fold because I couldn't get enough members to support me. I'll be so interested in the topic and Tiffany showed up. She was a graduate student in classics and we hit it off and, um, we did accessibility, um, assessments. We managed to get diversity. I mean, uh, disability to be included in the diversity definition of our university, which was the university of Kansas. Then Tiffany went on to law school and, um, uh, Lexington, uh, what's the name of the law school you went to? to? I always forget.
2: Uh, Washington and Lee University.
1: Yeah, Washington and Lee, and I know where it is. <laughs> and um, yeah, and we made a huge impact. So today actually our university has an accessibility coordinator and a student ADA coordinator, uh, in addition to the uh, equality and employment coordinator, ADA coordinator, so um, yeah, I was just It's going to say, it was kind of weird to introduce her as a law professor. I would more introduce her as a kick-ass person. But yeah, that's that's (laughs) Tiffany there. And we also did a lot of uh, service animal work and Tiffany knows a lot about that. So next time we talk about service animals and guide dogs, hopefully she'll be on with us.
2: I'd be happy to. We sort of had a good cop, bad cop thing going on in grad school. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was the bad cop
0: <laughs> oh really I, <laughs> you know Rachel I don't want you to take this the wrong way but I have a hard time seeing you as the good cop sometimes <laughs>
1: <laughs> well yeah it was hard sometimes uh, once in a while we'll be bad cop bad cop but most of the time Tiffany kept me in check so I was kind of nice well she always have more of the she understands the legal and uh, she's very thorough with everything she does and she's, you know, like those super thorough people. Yeah. I would say even more thorough than you, Jonathan, yeah. if that's possible. So, um, yeah, I could only, you know, I'm more of a BSer, if you will. So it was easier <laughs> to be a good cup.
0: Well, we had Tiffany on for a very specific reason is that we wanted to talk about, uh, well, we wanted to talk about the uh, the ADA Education and Reform Act of 2017, uh, which is a piece of uh, legislation that's been uh, that's passed the House and moved on to the Senate. That I actually was completely off my radar until it passed the House. We want to talk about what that is for people who don't know. We want to talk about you know maybe what the rest of the process is and about you know. Oh, what it means and where it might go and 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 it being something that uh our our listeners might be able to get involved with by talking to their representatives you know and and expressing their concerns so it's a good time to know what's going on and perhaps a good time to get involved and so uh i'm gonna actually start out by uh quickly uh uh reading the uh the the summary uh of uh for of the for the reform act here so everybody kind of is on the same page about what's in it um it's we're not going to go into detail i'm just going to cover the overview here just so we're all on the same page here so i've got there's a i'm going to start with section two which is uh this bill requires the disability rights section of the department of justice to develop a program to educate state and local governments and property owners on strategies for promoting access to public accommodations for persons with a disability the program may include training for professionals to provide a guidance to of remediation for potential violations of the americans with disabilities act of 1990 and so that's the uh the education part of the ada education and reform act uh but what we really are more interested in are section three and section five here so section three is the bill prohibits civil action based on the failure to remove an architectural barrier to access into an existing public accommodation unless, one, the aggrieved person has provided to the owners or operators a written notice specific enough to identify the barrier, and, two, the owner or operators failed to provide the person with a written description outlining improvements that will be made to improve the barrier, or they fail to remove the barrier or make substantial progress after providing such a description, the aggrieved person's notice must specify the circumstances under which the public accommodation access was denied. Um, and so that's actually the big one. Let me just let just talk about that part right there because I think that's the the crux of this, uh, uh, uh the cru- the crux here basically. <laughs>
1: And you see, I'm gonna do what I used to do, to Tiffany. So, can you put that in plain English for us, Tiffany? <laughs> I mean, what does that mean in the great scope of things?
2: Basically, the way the ADA is enforced right now is through a civil process. There's no like enforcement agency, really. Um, so you file—you would file a lawsuit, or you would file a uh, complaint with the Department of Justice. And right now, you can do that immediately if there's an issue. What this bill would change is that instead of being able to immediately seek enforcement um, you know, based on a barrier to access, you would have to write up what sounds like it would probably have to be a fairly detailed um, description of the alleged violation and provide that to the owner uh, of the property or owner of the business and wait 60 days and after 60 days um, they have to provide with uh, the owner or operator has to provide a written description to you outlining improvements that will be made to remove the barrier um, and basically at that point Um, they still don't have to technically have fixed anything. They provide you with a written description outlining what will be done, and then they have another 60 days to actually remove the barrier or uh, make significant progress in removing the barrier. Um, And if that hasn't happened, then after basically 120 days, um, you could file uh, a lawsuit to enforce the ADA.
1: So basically, if I'm understanding right, does that mean then the, that we, it I mean, everything would stay the same with the difference that you would have to sort of delay the process? You have to go through this kind of two process hoop before you could file a complaint on, I mean, a lawsuit. Is that right?
2: Right, a lawsuit or a complaint. Um, I, and it's it's sort of interesting to note that since this law has been around um, almost 28 years uh, uh, one one would think that that was adequate notice right <laughs> you know 28 years of of it being in effect. the problem is is that since only individuals with disabilities can really enforce the law and they have to do it through a legal process is that the law is rarely very rarely, actually, um, ever enforced.
1: Well, I know that because, I mean, if we go back to school, that was a big problem. Um, you know, if I was just by myself, the the, the lack of access, access to certain laws or to certain materials, etc., makes it really hard to put a case together. And if you were not in the team, then I don't think we would have... You know accomplished as much so right.
2: and that's and a, even even with the current process um you know you file a lawsuit or you file a department of justice complaint that just starts yet another lengthy process um i've only done one department of justice complaint but it still took almost two years to resolve from the time i filed the complaint and lawsuits of course can take even longer well and it takes
1: patience it takes uh, uh effort it takes research and it also takes a lot of documenting things properly and let's face it not a lot of people with disability sometimes have the energy because if it's uh you know driven by a chronic illness or some other uh health related issue mm-hmm. uh your <clears throat> your energy is very low I, I would know, and um, and if it's just a physical disability, you have to be dealing with so many things to manage your life on a day to day basis that this adds a tremendous amount of of uh, you know time consumption
2: right. and if if you go with the lawsuit process, it also usually involves money if you're paying an attorney uh, to help you with the process. And it's not to say that you can't file a lawsuit without an attorney, but if you want to be successful, the chances are you probably need one. Um, you know, um, it just you know facilitates the process. Um, but then that also kind of uh, pushes out people who don't have the money to go hire an attorney,
1: uh, which would be a
2: great number
1: of people with disabilities.
2: Right since people with disabilities are are significantly more likely to be low income
1: and also the employment issue you know yeah. like at least in blindness is about seventy five percent of people that are college graduates are still unemployed right. mm-hmm.
0: Now, yeah. i've had uh, I've heard a couple of people who have been in defense or people who are who are supportive of the bill saying you know one of their motivations is to cut down on what they believe to be these. Uh, drive-by lawsuit. So it might be somebody who you know kind of goes around town and measures a couple things, and then uh, threatens or, or immediately files a lawsuit without informing the business, you know, of their intent uh, for the purposes of trying to get a payout or a settlement. Um, and, and that being a, a reason for this, how how do you think that this accomplishes or doesn't accomplish, or whether or not that's even a, a relevant problem at all? I don't know what anybody's thoughts are on that.
2: The the first thing I would say is that in all of these lawsuits, um, there are actual violations of the law. So they are inherently not frivolous because a violation has still occurred. Um, these are, are things that the business should have taken care of 27 years ago, um, and has simply been you know flaunting the ADA ever since then. Second, what people don't tend to realize is there's really not a lot of money in ADA cases. Um, The whole issue, this uh, idea of people making money off of drive by lawsuits, um, is not actually related to the ADA. It's related to the UNRWA Act of the state of California. Um, In that act, which mirrors the ADA, there's a certain minimum settlement, uh, a minimum amount of money that the aggrieved person with a disability receives if they win. And so there was a lawyer, one lawyer, uh, that was uh, essentially going around in California, uh, writing nasty letters to businesses and saying, hey, if I take you to court, I'm going to win because I have the documentation and you are in violation. And so, um, you know, if we go to court, I'll get you for, say, $3,000. But if you settle now, just give me $2,000. Which was, of course, Very unethical. Oh, sure. Uh, uh, But at the same time, there were still actual... There there were still actual violations. I mean, he wasn't pointing out things that were not violations.
0: Yeah, it kind of makes me think if, if I went into a business, and I know this is not an apples to apples comparison, but if I went into a business and I noticed, you know, some major health code violation, them telling me, oh, you've got to put that in writing and you've got to give me a grace period to do something about it. it seems that type of thing would, would seem ridiculous, but it's sort of the same thing. I'm seeing something that's a violation of a law, a law that's been in place for 28 years, and uh and now i have to put it in writing and go through this whole process you know you kind of like you know like i said not apples apples comparison to a health code violation but it, it kind of makes me think of that
2: well i i think the best comparison is actually if you look at other civil rights laws because that's what the ada is the civil rights law do we expect any other minority group to give 60 days notice for discrimination to stop, and i mean if if you look at that in the context of other um, you know protected classes um, you know race, ethnicity, national origin, things like that, we would never expect those people to give to be discriminated against and then have to wait sixty days to no longer be discriminated against.
0: yeah that's a that is a much better comparison and a, a, another great way to look at it
1: well, and it makes me think of. <clears throat> cases that lately went on from like the LGBT community, for example, you know, like uh, I think one was it had to do with a wedding cake, like being refused, um, you know, services Uh, that went into a lawsuit. Uh, there was another one in California, and of course, Tiffany would be great at names, but I don't. So there is another case in California where it was cultural appropriation. So I think it was a white couple that owned a kind of like a burrito shop, uh, uh, you know, a local like chipotle, if you will. And they got shut down because they were sued by cultural appropriation. And I mean... I'm not even going to go into what my opinion is in it, but nobody says, "Hey, you got 60 days for cultural appropriation," and then they have 60 days to improve or maybe get a Latino partner. I mean, give me a break, you
2: know? Yeah, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not familiar with that case. Uh, California has uh, a for, far more extensive network of civil rights laws than most of the country does. Um, which in some cases, like with the UNRU Act, is is great, but in other cases, um, maybe a little, uh, perhaps a little excessive.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, but my case is that mm-hmm. I, I don't understand, and I don't know, Jonathan, if you know or Tiffany, I mean, how does, how does this uh, proposal come about? And I wonder what is even the motivation behind it, because I don't understand um, how you know, constantly with disability, uh, we are being bombarded with different little things. And, and, and this case reminds me actually, we had this issue at the university back then. Uh, I used to sit on the transit committee and I remember that I helped. Uh, Tiffany wasn't around yet, I don't think. And then we helped to create universal uh, bus services for the university. So professors, students, everybody could take it without having to pay for a bus pass. And so that was called the accessible universal uh, bus ride. And it would be sort of offset by increasing a little bit the tuition for everybody. Um, and, and the idea was that all the buses would be accessible. So we managed to get that through and then they turn around and try to start charging uh, students with disabilities that had severe disabilities with um, you know, I think it was like four dollars per ride or something uh, against the paratransit and that's that went on for like about a year, that's when Tiffany came on board and then she helped me fight it. So that's my point. It's uh, we turn around, we try to make something good for everybody, but then the next thing you know, people are trying to take away paratransit which is the for people that don't know paratransit is usually the accessible ride service for people in, in different states and it has to do with you know the fact that maybe if you have a a, a severe disability which where, where you need that that help um you get it and then in our university they used to have this service for um basically drunk students so they would safely get back home so there was a safe ride and you know nobody would ever touch that but everybody was always trying to create problems with the disability paratransit transportation for students that needed. and and to me like it sounds like this is another case of that
0: well i can give you um the the bill's lead sponsor is this representative uh, ted poe from uh from texas and uh, he's on the record saying that he feels that this this change is a common sense measure and its its purpose is to address this cottage industry of serial litigants that uh and uh who these are people who have maybe never even visited the property and they demand like uh three thousand, five to seven thousand dollars, you know, to drop the claims and that uh uh and and that that this bill is supposed to pre- is prevent is to prevent these uh uh, is to kind of ensure that only bona fide complainants are the ones who are who are suing and that's that's their perspective and and it is and it's supported mostly by these uh, uh there's a big group the national federation of independent businesses is, is a supporter of it and so that's that's their perspective that's what they think that they're that's the problem they think that they're they're trying to fix by doing this right. Ass- assuming <laughs> good intent <laughs>
2: Uh, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I hesitate to assume good intent in this situation because businesses have had so long to comply already. Um, you know, what's going to, you know, what's the difference with 60 days notice if they haven't made use of 27 years of notice? I mean, there, there are admittedly certain provisions of this act, um, like in Section 2, you know, this compliance through education section, I think is great. But most of this has already been available. Um, The disability rights section of the Department of Justice has been putting out guidance for businesses for decades. Um, And it's more or less been ignored by a percentage of businesses. You know, even going through new construction, um, there are frequently violations. Uh, You know, brand new construction that should be 100% compliant. Um, And it still isn't.
1: Well, and there is a lot of ignorance out there, and I think that instead of trying to solve a problem with the law, uh, I think we should start solving it with training, because that happens all the time. I mean, just an example, like a simple, silly example is, I was in the convention center, and I won't say of where yet, and um, you know, and I was taking the escalators, and I got harassed by the employees. Because I was going in an escalator with a guide dog. And uh, guide dogs, some schools train guide dogs to go in the escalator. Other schools do not do that. And I know that a lot of times that has happened before, that, you know, that untrained service dogs goes in escalators and they get bloody paws and then it becomes a problem. And then it's kind of like everybody has to pay for that. You know, it it doesn't make any sense to me that we'll go. And I mean, I have an MBA and I, I have a business. And I, 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 in this case, I, I am with Tiffany 100%. I mean, I have have had businesses that hire me and all they wanted me to do was to kind of bypass the accessibility issue because they might have had a ADA issue. Uh, for years that they ignore for 10 years, I remember I dropped one client because they were just trying to get me on their side to, you know, fix their architectural problems that they ignored for 10 years. And it's like, and then it was too expensive for them. And I understand it's expensive for them to do the changes or, but they had 10 years where they kept just, you know, ignoring what was going on. And then all of a sudden they wanted me to do magic in 30 days. Yeah, that doesn't happen.
2: Right. And, and a lot of businesses are even reluctant to do things that are, are fairly inexpensive. Um, I uh, interned with a uh, disability legal advocacy organization my uh, last semester of law school. And I recall one of, one of the cases, uh, it, it was a, a business, a restaurant specifically, that was not accessible. Um, the accessibility modification would have cost maybe at most thousand dollars. It probably could have even been a DIY type project. Um, and the person just never responded. I mean the organization contacted them, provided all sorts of notice, offered to help, um, offered to help them get bids and figure out exactly what they needed to do. Um, even the day of the trial they were still offering to help this business owner and he ignored it you know just i think you know they think if they stick their heads in the sand long enough it'll it'll just go away people will give up and i think that that's one of the dangers of this 60 days notice is that it will discourage people with disabilities from actually following through on legitimate cases
0: so I want to talk a little bit about uh where this is in the uh in the whole legislative process a little bit cuz right now we talked about this has uh not but by, by a small margin uh, it passed the passed the house and at this point it's supposed to move on to the Senate. I guess the question is do we uh do we think it's going to make any any progress there? I know that at least through the house it passed pretty close to to party lines there was a few like i think 12 democrats who voted in a and a handful of republicans that did not um obviously in the lake of issues we think uh we think it's going to make it past the senate i i, I think you you would you would made a comment about that earlier tiffany before we went before we went live
2: well uh gov which is a, an online bill tracking website uh gives it a 38 percent chance of passing um which is fairly low but not as low as I'd like to see it um, right now it doesn't look like it's been assigned a committee yet from what I can tell so it's it's been sitting it, it passed the House about a month ago and it's been sort of sitting at the Senate without um, any any movement forward at this pro, at this time um, I think to put it in historical context this bill has been proposed many times in the past, or similar bills have been proposed many times in the past. Um, And they have never made it through the House and Senate, although this is the first time that one has made it through the House. So that, I think, is cause for additional concern there. Um, Does it have a chance of passing the Senate? I think there is. I think there is a chance. Um, I think it's, it's enough of a chance that it's worth, um, getting in touch with your, um, you know, with your Senator, uh, especially since this does seem to be a largely party line bill, especially if your Senator is, you know, um, is Republican, because like, like we saw in the house, it was pretty close to a party line vote. Um, but regardless, um, I think it's, uh, it, you know, it, it might be easier once it's assigned to a committee and we have a little bit more of an idea of who's for and who's against. But it certainly, even at this point, can't hurt to be in touch with your senator and let them know what you think uh, about this bill.
0: I think if people do, they write in, they call, they communicate, uh, I I think, and get, you know, their perspective on this bill. I do think that's important and impactful and and meaningful. Um, I I know that with the, you know, the current climate, there's a bit of a a business friendly, you know, deregulation movement. But I think if people kind of tell their own personal stories, how it's going to impact them, you know, what this means to them, I, I think that will have a meaningful. I think that this is the type of issue that you know, uh, sharing your, your, uh, your, your, your personal story will, will have a a meaningful impact. I think it's, I think it's something that is important for people to reach out to. And I think it, it's probably going to be one of those things they can really make an impact on.
2: Right. And part of the problem is that a lot of people aren't even aware of this. And so, you know, if you're on social media, if you're on Facebook, you're on Twitter, you're on Instagram. say something about it, make this something that people are aware of, not something that's kind of getting past, you know, in almost in secret, Uh, because most people, most people know somebody or have known somebody that has a disability. Um, You know, we're, we're the largest minority group in the world. Um, Four to one in the U.S. Yeah. Um, And uh, I think if, if we could get better public recognition of this issue, and um, we, we would have more people taking a position, um, calling their senators, making their voices heard, not just from those who have a disability themselves, but also from, you know, their, their friends, their family, people who care about them.
1: Yeah, I, I think we need to... Um... You know, really pay attention to this because we hear about uh, all kinds of minorities all the time, right? I mean, I'm, I'm Latino, so I get lots of um, uh, Latino issues coming through all the time. Um, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm part of several minorities. And I would say that disability is the one that's less understood and people are usually not aware of what's going on uh, anywhere. It's it's very few in, in between, and the people that do know is usually the ones that are fighting so hard. So people think that they're a little bit unreasonable, and, and I don't think it is. I think in you know I'm 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 pro business through and through. Uh, I just think that that the problem right now is with disabilities. It's really affecting sometimes the way people live their daily lives and And I would say, even when I'm part of the other minorities I'm part of, it doesn't affect my life as much as my disability. My disability always pumps up the volume on on my daily difficulties. so I think uh we really need to be empathetic of others and also um act more as a as a group. I think that people don't understand, and then there's a lot of people also that don't have severe disabilities uh, or, you know, they just claim something simple and usually they have the money and the time. And a lot of times those are some of the people or unethical lawyers like that lawyer in California that Tiffany talked about that goes and starts creating a settlement. And I think that perhaps if we, if we, you know, started conversations early on, It'll be a lot easier and we need more training. So businesses don't have to be so confused about what's the real law and what's not. So they don't don't have to be afraid all the time.
0: And you mentioned, you know, just like how it affects people's day-to-day lives. We mentioned that the, you know, ADA has been around for 28 years now and, and I haven't read this whole article, but just, just brought to mind, you know, in uh, uh, the wall street journal was talking about how the, the fed is currently uh, going to be suing, um, MTA, which is the New York, you know, subway system, for lack of accessibility, and and only twenty, the twenty-five percent, I get different numbers here, uh, only about twenty, maybe twenty-five at the highest number, I've seen, uh, of sub- of the subway uh, stations are wheelchair accessible. That's only only a quarter of in in, in New York City, you know. That's and, and that's
2: huge. that's assuming the elevators are actually working that day too. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> yes. exactly. And the
2: elevators
1: <laughs> sometimes are
2: really in really
1: sketchy places that are not very safe. So, for example, in DC, I remember uh, I was with my former boss, which is in a wheelchair, and like the elevator was in this really sketchy place, and the and you know far removed from from the buzz of everybody. And then when we came out out of in the street, like the elevator came out kind of like sort of like a little alley. I don't remember what station it was, but I was like, whoa, I said, imagine, a, don't know, like a, you know, college student girl in a wheelchair. I was like, this is is dangerous stuff. I would have never chosen to go that route on my own.
2: Yeah. And I know uh, my boyfriend, Brian, has gotten kind of tangled up in the dc subway system himself Mm -hmm. due to elevator outages and and sort of you had to kind of turn around and go home didn't you
0: it was either go up the escalator on your prosthetics or go home Mm -hmm. we got in on one end and we went wherever we were going and and then oh yeah that one's out so (laughs) (laughs) you know Either you could go to the next stop and get a taxi over to where you want to go, or you could go home. And it was like, well, or do you yeah, know, escalator on prosthetics, which I can now do, but at the time it was that was a tall order. And the idea of having to, you know, when you get on the train system, not knowing if your destination is going to be accessible, like even if you get in, there's no guarantee that you can, you know, easily get out. I mean, I don't think anybody who Maybe uh, people who 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 don't have that experience would would I think they would probably be quite shocked if 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 they jumped on a station and got off and basically it was completely closed and with no notice. There's no way for you to know. Have to completely reroute. I mean that type of that's a huge impact.
1: Well, and then and that's you see, and that's the biggest problem. For example, I have a choice. That's why I take escalators because I kind of follow the crowd, and but I can, and not everybody can. There's blind people that you know doesn't they 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 don't have the ability to take escalators with a dog so they have to go through the elevator and i mean there has been many cases of safety uh problems with that so i mean so you see people don't talk about it i i you know i i have a handicap placard so lots of people sometimes say oh my god you can you get the the luxury to um you know to park so close and things like that. It's like, it's not a luxury, people. It's, 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 it's a, it's a necessity. And, and I would totally love to just park in the middle of a parking lot and walk to the store because I can, but it's dangerous. It's dangerous as heck. And then I cannot train my dog to find a door every time. So, you know, it's, we really need to stop thinking that people with disability have luxuries. Because we don't.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people would uh, happily give up the handicap parking spots for, um, you know, their... Be uh, able to do it. <laughs> yeah, for the yeah. ability do not need to do it. No. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I just want to give her, if there's any last thoughts or or stories anybody wants to tell i want to give a quick one for that but otherwise i i think we've we've covered this pretty well and uh i communicated it pretty well so uh uh rachel did you have any last thoughts before uh before we close out here
1: my biggest thought is be nice and don't assume stuff and try to learn more about other people's problems before you jump the gun
2: and, and I would add for for any business owners, um, you know, getting 60 days notice doesn't mean you're not going to get sued at the end of those 60 days, just the same as you would have, you know, prior to this act. So it's not really helping business owners any. If they'd intended to change, they would have already done so. Um, it's just delaying the inevitable by 60 days.
1: And creating more paperwork. Right. <laughs> Which business owners needed
2: yeah.
0: Well Tiffany, I wanna thank you so much for uh uh giving us your time and your expertise and your thoughts and your experiences. I think it, it helped us communicate this topic so much better and I hope that people uh listening, uh especially those with uh with the Republican senators, but any senator you should really reach out to uh if you know the and and express your concerns about this because we, we really don't want to see it go any 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 farther and like you said it's happened over and over again but i think just letting people know the stories and let people know their experiences and and, and what it will mean uh i think we can sway some minds if we uh, if we need to
2: well, I appreciate the invitation. It's been good talking to y'all.
1: And Brian, thank you for being on with us too. <laughs> yes, thank, Brian, you, for your thank service. you So much
0: for uh <laughs> yeah, for for sharing as well.
1: And um we should probably also put something in the notes of how to find your Senator and how to go.
0: Yeah, um, so I, I'll put in the show notes uh, a link where you can uh, where you can look up uh, and find out who your Senator and their contact information is uh, so that you can reach out to them. And uh, And with that, I think we're gonna close out here. Thank you so much for listening.